Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Romans Empire Podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And um, it was a very, very eventful week, to say the least. Um, obviously, we have you know the big news from Roman um, stating that he's going to sell the, that he's planning on selling the club, and and we had the performance against Luton Town um, earlier today, where we barely scraped away with with a win. Um, but here to join me, as always, ready to break it all down for you. I have Sam and Andres. Boys, this could very well be one of the last pods we have with Roman as our owner. That is a complete possibility. I'll start with you, Sam. How does that make you feel? Man, it's it's really sad. I mean, obviously... First of all, our podcast is named after him, so that causes a little bit of trouble. Um, so, and... number one, we're fucked. <laughs> it could be. Um, you know, as a, from a selfish standpoint, yeah, that's that's number one concern. Number two, Chelsea. Um, I mean, this guy has been by far the greatest owner for maybe any sport. You could you could argue that definitely for football maybe any sport, uh, his impact on the club will be remembered forever. I think the I think, you know Chelsea, have to. They have to make a Roman Abramovich stand, um, in in Stamford Bridge something dedicated to him, you know, uh, like something like that, but it's. I mean, I, I thought there was a possibility that, you know, he would lay low and then just, you know, blow over and he would, you know, re- re- regain ownership of the club. But after the announcement today, looks like it's pretty uh, it's pretty set in stone that he's going to go go ahead with the, the sale. Andreas, how are you feeling about it overall? I'm sad, man. I... I get that outside of the Chelsea stratosphere, Roman may not be a great guy. That's something that is still up in the air. But he saved this club from liquidation in the early 2000s. And not just that, he changed football overall. Without Roman Abramovich doing what he did and caring and adding money to this club, there would be no Man City, there would be no PSG, there would be no Newcastle. Like he changed modern football, and in terms of of Chelsea, he won every single trophy, everyone he wanted, and he put the right people in charge. Sometimes he didn't, and he made sure to to get the right person in immediately after. But through and through, he always put the club first. He was a fan just like us, and it just sucks, man. Because part of winning trophies was always seeing him at the matches and, and and his reaction to it and him celebrating alongside the players because while he wasn't, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He was involved, but not, I don't know what the right word is I'm looking hands for, on. but the, yeah, he wasn't like too hands on in, in terms of like the practices and anything like that. But, but he was a fan. He was trying to set up the club for success. And I think, Everything he hoped for, he achieved at the club. And yeah, I'm grateful for the time with Roman, the the 2003 to now era. 
is most of my Chelsea fan fanhood. So I'm sad. I'm sad to see him go. I, I hate to see him get mm-hmm. kicked out of the back door before he was ready. Um, and it just, it's a bummer. It, there's no other way about it. I, I don't care who the next owner is. I'm not going to be excited for whoever walks in through the door. I feel like there's going to be big shoes to fill. Definitely. Um, Zach, you go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think there is a sense of excitement a little bit. Maybe not in the purest way where, you know, it's filled with a bunch of optimism. Of course, there's a bunch of question marks and unknowns. Like, how much is this, if a new owner comes in, what kind of financial investment are we looking at? What's their strategy in terms of being ruthless with the hiring and firing like you talked about, Andres? I mean, Roman was Roman was the definition of ruthless when it came to, you know, moving a manager along to get the club to where it needs to be. And I think, and I think to be fair to him, um, you know, as many times as we criticize him for pulling the trigger too fast or sometimes waiting too long, we always wound up successful at the end of the day. And I think that's something that you can't really take away from Roman. So again, like, like you said, I, I never really thought about it until you just said it now, but he could be considered one of the greatest owners to, to own a sports franchise, just purely based on the fact that he came here what 19 years ago and has won almost how many trophies do you guys know off the top of the head it's like 20 i mean something. i mean I two champions leagues two europa leagues one club world cup what was it five premier league titles yeah. or is it four uh fa cups plenty carabao cups plenty 21 community shields yeah there you go 21, 21. trophies the average so he's trophy averaging- season yeah, so good luck to the new owner. I think I think the the standards are set pretty high. But yeah, I, my my point being, I think there is an excitement. I mean, are you guys not feeling that sort of sense either? I mean, it doesn't necessarily no. have to be the best thing ever. No, it 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 just means there's a new era coming. I, I yeah. again, if it was him retiring or him saying like I don't have the passion I had and it's time to sell and and all these people were coming to buy the club and they were pumped about it right now we're he's forced to look for buyers and i think that's just different man i that's not how i wanted roman to go i think the more important question um and the more important aspect of like finding a new owner is what is their number one priority is are they looking to purchase chelsea as an investment are they looking to purchase them to you know make money uh, you know, both like in short-term gain and in long-term gain? Or are they like Roman, where the money was never an issue to them and the number one priority was winning? You know, like Roman Abramovich, he he had a lot of pride. You know, he put a lot, he got a lot of his pride from, you know, owning this club and seeing them win. I think, you know, when you're a guy like him with more money than you can even spend it's not really about the return financially it's about the success of the club and i think we need it we're gonna need another owner who's gonna replicate that because if not it's 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 not gonna look good it's really not like and i think that you know we'll we'll talk we'll get into the quote from roman abramovich um, the official quote, um, 
this will give more context into what I'm trying to say um, about buying the club. He said, the sale of the club will not be fast-tracked, but will follow due process. I will not be asking for any loans to be repaid, which, by the way, is reported to total, of, I've, I've seen, between 1.5 and 2 billion pounds. He said, this has never been about business nor money for me, but about pure passion for the game and club. Moreover, I've instructed my team to set up a charitable foundation where all net proceeds from the sale will be donated. The foundation will be for the benefit of all victims of the war in Ukraine. This includes providing critical funds towards the urgent and immediate needs of victims, as well as supporting the long-term work of recovery. Please know that this has been an incredibly difficult decision to make, and it pains me to part with the club in this manner. However, I do believe it is in the best interest of the club. So, you know, he says that he's going to donate the net proceeds to a charitable foundation. You know, I'm not sure what, you know, how, how net proceeds is determined, whether it's going to be like, you know, the amount he paid for the club minus what, you know, or the amount he gets for the club minus the amount he paid for the club. I mean, he's already he already said he's not going to be asking for the loans to be repaid, so that's not a part of the purchase price allocation. It's you know I'm I'm really curious how you know this charitable foundation will be set up. You know what who's going to have control over it. You know whether he can ever access the funds. But if this is the case, it's not about the purchase price anymore. I think with Roman uh, now it's a more about finding the right buyer that will do the best job in in you know helping the club maintain its supremacy because even after selling the club it's still his legacy he won't be owner anymore but everyone knows that Chelsea is would not be where they are today if it weren't for Roman Abramovich and whether he's the owner or not, it's still his club. You know, it's, that that's just that's just a matter of fact. Um, and you know, I I think that that's I, you know that's just the way I think of it. And I'm not sure how necessarily how true that'll be. But Zach, you have, what do you have? What do you think about that? I I think to put it simply, um, Roman being a guy that's very prideful, a guy that's very competitive. Obviously, we know that. I think he's looking at this decision um, as his last important decision to make as owner of the club. So he's looking at this decision, this decision I can't talk, as a, <laughs> as a part of his legacy, right? If he makes the wrong call here and hands the club off to the wrong person, you know and I know that's going to be a topic of conversation. I wish Roman didn't sell the club to so-and-so. But if Roman makes the right call here, you know, then we can just praise him even more. I think it builds up the legend of Roman even more. So, you know, as important as it was for him to come in, inject money into the club, be the first real team in Europe to spend stupid money on players and win things, um, you know, he, he can also be a trendsetter in terms of the way he goes out, right? So, yeah, there's that, but there's also the tax write-off that we none of us have mentioned yet either. I mean, a charitable foundation means he will be able to write off a sizable portion of that. And I don't know what part of his assets are frozen. If all of them are frozen, me and Sam are debating off, off air whether or not he had offshore accounts. And 
if he could have sold the club, is there a way that he could have still recouped some of that money? We don't know. Um, but what th one thing's for damn sure, and I, I, I know this. I know Roman's looking at the situation going, I got to make the right call here because I owe it I owe it to everybody. And also, you know, this is going to add to my legacy. Like, this is part of the legend of me once I leave. Andres, anything else you want to add before we talk uh, about the I potential think buyers? For for Roman and like what you said, Sam, just kind of to, to make it a quick metaphor, it's like sending your kid off to college, right? You you spent eighteen years teaching and building them up and getting them ready for the real world, and then you just have to trust that they're going to be ready for the next phase of their life. I think that's what Roman is going through right now. He now has to be a hands-off fan. You know, you go off to college, your parents aren't checking on you to do your homework. They're not checking on you to, to study. Like, you're on your own. Obviously, it'll be a new owner taking over for them now. But I think Roman's going to make sure that that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be – you talked about potential buyers. There will be buyers. Right now, if I'm a billionaire and I want to buy a club, Chelsea's probably – the best case scenario to buy right we have young talent we are club world cup champions the we have the few, american market you sure, just have yeah, to you got Pulisic, right yeah. uh nbc sports is killing it with the premier league in the u.s that saturday morning slot for year round is prime time uh the thing is we're a valuable asset so to me i think roman's going to make sure that each person puts a project in front of him and he can choose. Cause at the end of the day, like Zach alluded to this money will never touch his pocket for what, for all we know. So it's more of having a good handoff and doing the right thing. Uh, to me, I'm hoping that the new owners will come in with the, the best of intentions. So as long as we don't get a cronky style or, or someone along, along those lines, then I'll be content. Again, I'm, I'm not happy right now with having to sell. I, I think timing sucks, but worse, as long as we don't go into worst case scenario, I'll be all right. So let's talk a little bit about the names that have popped up about potential buyers. Um, most of these people I've heard of for the first time today, so <laughs> I can't really get a very good uh, grasp of how I feel about them. But uh, the first name that popped up it was actually uh, a group, um, a Swiss billionaire named Hans-Jörg Weiss um, and an American billionaire, Todd Boley. So uh, Weiss, he's an 86, 86 years old. Um, so, you know, if, he's our, if he becomes our owner, I don't know how much longer he would be our owner for. <laughs> um, he's a founder. Short stint. <laughs> yeah. He's the founder of a company called Science USA, which is the world's largest medical device manufacturer. They make screws and clear discs for broken bones. Um, and a majority of his wealth was made by selling that company to Johnson & Johnson for 14 billion pounds. Um, straight cash money. Todd Boley, an American, um, he, this is actually a name I, I did know before because he reportedly was interested in buying Chelsea back in 2019, um, but his three billion pound bid fell short of Abramovich's valuation, which, um, you know, looking back, 
he probably should have taken that deal, but um, <laughs> he's also the current chairman and CEO of Eldridge Industries, a private investment firm based on the East Coast. He's also part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Sparks. So he has a lot of ownership in sports uh, sports teams already. And, um, you know, he th- thinks that the Premier League is the, you know, the next frontier as far as uh, sports ownership goes. Um, I'll just give my quick two cents and I'll pass it on to Andreas. Um, there's being an owner of the Dodgers. We are or we, I say, because I'm a Dodgers fan. The Dodgers are notoriously hated amongst the rest of MLB fans because they spend way more money than anyone else. It's the Dodgers and the Yankees. These two teams historically spend way more money than anyone else. If you look at their payroll, you can take the combined salary of like their top three players and it'll be almost as much as other teams' full rosters. So this, you know, that 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 translates pretty well to uh, to football. That's that's kind of how Chelsea runs business. So I would say that is a positive as far as you know the way that he runs his teams. I know he's not a you know full owner of the Dodgers, but he is a partial owner. Uh, Andreas, anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know much about his success with the Dodgers and, and such, but I a lot of videos came out today from interviews done not today, not last week, but years ago about uh, how he sees the Premier League and teams and, and what an ownership in that would look like. And, and he mentioned that it is a growing market in the U.S. and that, you know, when he grew up, nobody knew teams. But today, I mentioned it earlier that that Saturday morning slot's been filled up and, and kids today know about your, he specifically said your Manchester United's, your Chelsea's. So he said that owning a team, number one, you are going to have to have success because that's just the way the game works. There is no draft to, to juice up your team, like success breeds success. And then he talked about a community aspect that the fans are unrivaled. And that one thing he would have to do if he ever owned a, a football team eventually was getting the fans to to stay happy and, and to follow the club at all times. And then part number three, he says he's no expert in all matters of sport, but that he would try to build a staff of experts to run those parts that he's not a, a pro in to to handle the footballing aspect of things. He can handle the business, the marketing, that sort of thing, and let somebody do the tactics, X's and O's, you know, director of football sort of role. So to me, this guy sounds pretty smart. I know, Tom, you're pretty happy with how the Dodgers have been doing under his stewardship in a way. And he seems to understand what fans expect out of football. I th- and, and he called it football, by the way in this interview, which I appreciated. Oh, so, really impressive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, hey, I'm just saying. It, Not all Americans Ronaldo, are dumb. man is ready. No, listen, <laughs> if, if Cristiano Ronaldo's son calls it soccer and this guy who has no ties to the sport calls it football, I think that's a win. Just saying. But again, I, that's just surface level stuff. Obviously, the, the new group will have to establish themselves. But 
not all American owners are are all bad. I guess is what I'm th- the point I'm trying to get at. I think uh, I think out of all the names that are listed here, and we'll get through the rest of them. I think this is the name that would be the most seamless transition in terms of how the way the club is run now and how it'll be run under the new ownership. If uh, Todd Bowley is in fact you know going to be calling the shots in terms of spending the big bucks on players. Um, but guys, I mean, I, I think the overarching kind of like idea behind Bowley coming in is I, I think he'll be able to tap into, you know, the American market, which I think will benefit us even more, um, obviously than anyone else. But I think he has that competitive aspect to him too, that Roman has, right? I mean, why else would you be a part owner of the Dodgers if you weren't on board with having, you know, payrolls upwards of a hundred million, you know, plus a season, or if it's more, even more than more, that, I'm more, not sure. More. Yeah, way more than that. So, I mean, we've been notoriously, and I say we because I'm also a Dodgers fan, but we've been notorious for spending big bucks, and, you know, I don't see it being any different if this guy were to come to Chelsea. I mean, he has that competitive drive, and I think It's he, the brand. He Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll be able to sort of draw that comparison between the MLB and the Premier League like he did in an interview and say, look, you know, this is the way it needs to be run, but he's also coming into it with an open mind. I really like the idea that he's going to come in and say, okay, I'm not really familiar with this aspect of the game. I'm going to hire this guy to kind of, you know, walk me through it or to run it. Um, I think that's the best approach, an open-minded one, right? So there won't be any side chicks like Marina sliding in and, you know, getting their way, you know, with the club and getting the positions they want. I think it'll be more built on merit in that sense because this guy is coming into a sport that, granted, he seems he seems familiar with it, but not familiar enough to sort of run it on his own. Um, I'm so offended with how you just described Marina. Like, I mean, look, she, a, this is there. You don't think that she got the position based off merit? It could. I mean, I'm sure there was a bro, little bit she of merit. Killed, she killed it. She's been amazing, bro. It's not because. Come on, cutthroat negotiator, man. Yeah, she man. is a cutthroat negotiator. Listen, for 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 player sales, take it back. she's she's top notch. I right, take, take it back. Anyone tops I, I, Zach, I won't accept back, any. Dude. I won't accept any. I don't know. I'm just slander. insinuating that there might have been a little bit of sketchiness in terms of Let's, how she hey, was. Don't you know. insinuate she did, anything, Zach. She did buy Zappacosta and drink water in the same window, so I'm just no. Wasn't that a uh, what's his name? Uh, wasn't that Emanalo's um, right last year? Yeah, Emanalo was out Imanalo. way before that. No, he was here for Conte. Actually, I don't know. Emanalo was here for Conte. When was Emanalo? I'm going to Google it. Yeah, look right, it up we'll while I... Yeah, um, but also I wanted to add a bad thing about Todd Bowley. He, he just bought his shares in the Lakers this past summer, and the Lakers absolutely suck now. So I don't know if that might transfer over to uh, just a little a little cheeky banter well, between a, me and Zach. That's a little more complicated <laughs> than that. Like he's, he's inheriting he's inheriting bad that was, business. That was, though, right? a little, that was that was a, that was just cheeky banter. I didn't, the, I didn't the, the real um, the real con in this is that enjoy it while it lasts. Song. Uh, back to football. Uh, <laughs> the real con in, in this conglomerate is that the majority owner, sorry to be crude about it, is gonna die in the next 10 years yes. end of story. So in the next 10 years, we're looking to sell again. And that's just something mm. that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure after having mm-hmm. almost 20 years under Rome, 
and I would be ready to to just be like going through instead of a carousel of managers, a carousel of owners. I, I don't know how much stability long term that really brings. So the other name that was brought up, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, um, the founder, chairman and majority shareholder or majority owner of a, a chemical powerhouse called Ineos Group. I believe he is the richest person in England. I don't know if you guys have heard that. I believe that is true. Um, Andreas, uh, you know, he's a season ticket holder for Chelsea. Reportedly a United fan, though, growing up. Do you see any conflict of interest? Ah, not at all. The club? <laughs> not at all. This is my favorite pick. If But his name, not as, uh, not as part of the headlines as everyone else on this list. I... I would love it because I think this guy tried buying Chelsea now a few times. He, like you said, is a season ticket holder. He's English, so he understands the culture of the game. He is, in fact, I just fact-checked, the richest man in the UK, so that always is nice. To me, I think this would be the the easiest. Zach talk, talked about the structure of the club. I think this guy would come in with the best intentions. I think this guy would come in not to make more money, but as a true fan of the sport and, and what Chelsea has achieved. So to me, he would be the best in terms of trying. Like his his role would be to try to do what's best for Chelsea at all times. Yeah, and the last name that has been rumored, and I, this is not something that's been confirmed, Stephen Ross, he's an American real estate developer, co-owner of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I want a real estate developer uh, as as an owner because their whole game is to buy and flip. You know that that's what a real estate developer does, and he's a hundred percent going to look at it as an investment. I don't know much about him. I know that the Miami Dolphins suck, and people hate their ownership. So I'm hoping this guy Stephen Ross is not our next owner. Uh, Let's move into some questions uh, we got from Twitter. This first one is from Nick Lenartson, at Nick Lenartson. He said, selling is sad, but would you also agree that it it also could mean new cash into the club? Zach, could you agree? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of alluding to. Um, if it's two out of those three choices, I think Ratcliffe and obviously um, – you know, the the American co-ownership, both of those look like they would be instances where we would get cash and we would still have the ability to spend um, without worrying too much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more important in terms of how we buy and what's really our strategy going forward, because Roman's strategy did change throughout his reign. You know, he started off by buying, you know, players that were sort of ready-made, the Baleks, you know, the Essians. I mean, he brought those guys when they were cooked, um, you know, already. So uh, Carvalho was another name you could you could also throw out there. But later on, you know, he started to buy younger players and players that we can develop. So I think the strategy is more academy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, built an academy. Yeah, he put a shit ton of money into the academy, and I think that's another thing he's a pioneer for because I don't think many clubs in England really saw that as a as a saw that much value in it until Abramovich really came along and started dominating the academy, you know, leagues with with Chelsea's youth. So I think that's a more important thing is in terms of how are we going to spend the cash, 
not necessarily is there going to be new cash because that's sort of a given but how are we going to spend it what's going to be our strategy do we go after older young that's more important for me uh, zach you mentioned his uh early buying habits and the players that he bought a little bit of quick trivia i want to see if either of you guys can get this who was roman abramovich's first signing was it Hullet? No. No. That was before. Oh my god. First signing was it Oh Hullet was way before. What am I no, saying? No, the summer the second summer he fired Ranieri. So so he had That was Ranieri. his first Ranieri was his first sacking. Sacking, yeah. And then he brought yeah. Mourinho in. So he signed players for Ranieri. I'm thinking there was a guy that wore the number nine jersey with like a Bula Ruse, maybe, something along those lines. No, but I will give you a hint. Klopp, what's his first name? Jurgen. Yeah, Jurgen Macho. Jurgen Oh. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a trick question. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's trivia. If you guys will now know. Hey, his, but, in his the next year, but in the next year, he gave Mourinho, Peter Cech, Aryan Robin, uh, Drogba. Uh, two more. Drogba and Bozingba? Was Bozingba a part of that Porto team that he brought with him? Or no, Ferreira, Ferreira, Paulo Ferreira. Ferreira, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just really quickly, his first sacking, Ranieri. Ranieri, yep. His last sacking, Frank Lampard. First signing, Jurgen Macho. Last signing, Romelu Lukaku. First manager appointed, Mourinho. Mourinho. Last manager appointed, Thomas, Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel. First wow. trophy won, League Cup. Last trophy won, FIFA Club, Club World, World Cup. Cup. Record signing, rec- record client signing, Lukaku. Lukaku, yeah. Record fee received, Eden Hazard. Those are his uh, Those are his records and his hey. calculates. And Trivia. props to Thomas Tuchel for never for being the only manager to never get the sack yeah. under Thomas no. Tuchel. <laughs> no, no, no. Or under, sorry, under Roman. Gus Hiddings also saw out his contract. And, Ra- and Rafa Benitez. He didn't get sacked. A one year. A one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah one but, year contract. Yeah, we, goose hitting was just a half a year. So. Yeah, so exactly. That's what they, they, they qualify. They didn't get sacked. Um, Fair enough. And, uh, all right, next question. This one that comes from Prashanth at Prash CFC. What are some of the things that the new owner should be doing to get into your good books, Andreas? Keep Thomas Tuchel for as long as possible and trust the man to be one of the spearheads of future success. He has given us no reason to doubt him at this point. If you're going to be bringing new ownership and new directors into this, the guy has gone through COVID. The guy has gone through his whole team getting wrecked by injuries. And we're still up there with the top teams. I think. That's priority number one. And priority number two is our scouting department. I think the academy is is fantastic as it is. I think our, you know, without having to pay Roman the loan that he gave the club, I think the books are going to be balanced in terms of buying new players. It's just a matter of finding the correct players. So to me is keep Thomas Tuchel happy, trust the man, and improve our scouts. Yeah. I, I'm going to kind of double down on that, but I'm going to add that we should also maintain the focus on the youth in terms of Cobham, the development of young players, because this pipeline that we're seeing is just 
unbelievable. And I think we're only going to see better players come out of Cobham as the years go on. So there definitely has to be an emphasis on that for whatever new owner comes in. Just don't touch Cobham. Just sort of leave it the way it is. You know, don't fuck up a good thing. I mean, it's the most profitable academy in the world. Like, of course, they're not going to want to change that. Even if the players don't stay here, Chelsea's making hella profits. Hella profits. And we just signed a new U16 player, Portuguese. Did you guys see that guy? Half Portuguese, yeah. half English. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's a his last signing. Very sought out. Oh, yeah, that's that's technically his <laughs> last signing. But uh, that's, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I don't know much about the kid, but apparently he was very sought out. So that's, that's Imagine exciting. this kid goes on to become like a fucking world beater. And Abramovich was like, you're welcome, guys. I knew this when he was 15. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Abramovich is out there watching tape. He's breaking down the players, you know, watching 15-year-olds. Yeah. His, definitely, his yeah, yacht right now only had West Brom's uh, academy. <laughs> yacht? Yachts. Super yachts. Super, super yachts. yachts. Get it right. They're super yachts. Uh, all right, we got a question. This one is from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, do you guys see any players leaving at the end of the season due to the sale? I, I, I'll just say quickly, uh, I I don't think, I just think that it's a possibility maybe that some players will look to a change of ownership as a sign of instability. It's a that's my only like the only conceivable possibility that I can, you know, think of of a player wanting to leave because of the sale, but other than that, I don't think that'll really affect anyone's decision to stay or go. Zach, do you wanna add if, something? If our pipe dream of Tuchel being handed the keys to the future for many years to come does come true then yes, there's a mass exodus on our way. What? Yeah, because Because... if a new owner comes in, they're going to make a statement and they're going to spend money. The first window, there's going to be a shit ton of money spent. I'm not saying a mass exodus in terms of half the squad is out of here. I'm saying Tuchel's going to identify a lot of the dead weight that we don't actually need, which we'll get into when we talk about this next game. But I, I mean, I think Ron is talking about players that we don't expect to leave. Like, oh, oh, I think he's talking about like key contributors, like starting 11 level players no, and, no, and I, I don't think that's the case because even though some of the staff may be leaving i highly doubt someone like peter check is going to leave the club you know there are certain figures that are going to be staying mm-hmm. to keep some stability throughout the transition the manager for example uh in the women's side emma hayes for sure is going nowhere uh I think depending on the owner we'll see what happens with bruce buck if it's jim radcliffe he might stay if it's somebody else who knows it, I just think the players we have right now love the club, love the fan base, and and they feel connected to the club. And if anything, outlasting Roman and, and continuing the Chelsea tradition, not for Roman, but but more for what just the club is, I think is going to keep the majority of these players here. Yeah, no, I was talking about more of the fringe players. No, 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 we expect a lot anyway. of the guys that we saw. A lot of the guys that we saw today. I know, but we say that every year, and yet. Kennedy is still starting at left back for Chelsea. We saw him today. No, we're not extending you know, his any time, his contract I, anytime I soon. I All right. Next question. This one comes from Kojo, 
at E underscore Mautor. He said, thoughts on an American taking over the club. We saw a lot of anti-American bias on Twitter today from from English fans. Uh, I, in my opinion, I would I would prefer if an American didn't buy the club, but I I think it's foolish to automatically assume if if, if a buyer is American, it's going to be a bad thing. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm sure you guys agree. Uh, so let's go on to the next question. This one's from Jimmy Bahama at Jimmy Bahama 311. Are y'all going to change the name of the podcast? I hope not. This question some, of the century. This is something that we have been. The millions one, of people have been asking this. Millions. <laughs> millions of people. Uh, and this is something that we've been, we've been discussing this internally for, you know, about for a couple days uh at the moment it's a fluid situation uh we want to you know continue to honor roman as you know as our owner uh even though even if he isn't the owner anymore so we haven't made a decision either way it's still it's 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 tbd for now we are roman's empire podcast who knows what what we're going to be in the future we will but continue we to just celebrate have so much, his legacy. Yeah, we, and we have so much goodwill attached to this name. Like you said, millions of followers and people listening. And, <laughs> you know, they, they know us as the Roman's Empire podcast. It's, I mean, how many times is Roman's Empire Googled every day? So on many college times. campuses everywhere. So I mean, we appeal times. to that crowd for some reason. It's weird. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and how long ago did the Roman Empire fall? And they're still looking them up. Yeah, right. there it's you just go. like it doesn't make sense. I think I think it, unless Roman turns out to be the main reason this war is happening, or he has some sort of key contribution he, to the deaths of millions, I he's think a shadow that, general. He's a shadow general to the <laughs> Russian army. So, yeah, we we want to. I mean, we grew. We're young fans. Like at the end of the day, we were not born in the '80s to enjoy those times. Like the majority of our time was under Roman. We feel it's right to to celebrate. I don't think years. I don't think we enjoyed many. I don't think Chelsea fans enjoyed the '80s very much. I'm just saying we weren't here for before Roman. We weren't here, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, for I the know. previous success. We, the three of us, are first generation fans. Like that, we begin the family tree of a long, hopefully prosperous families that will love Chelsea as well. So to us, Roman's era is the foundation. I mean, Chelsea's only really become accessible to Americans fairly recently in terms of like the whole club's history so you know it's only been like the last 15 or so years where we've even had access to watch the premier league mm-hmm. so it has been only under roman you know for us at least doesn't mean we're not fans some people will argue all right next question uh this is a great transition uh into our preview this one comes from michael conan at m conan 1789 can we please stop making massive announcements in the 24 hours preceding a match? Please. We played a match today? Yeah, we have a we have a whole match to discuss to break down and we're already 35 40 minutes into the podcast we haven't even mentioned it. Um so I think this might be a quick a quick breakdown of the match. It was a nail biter 
2-3 Chelsea win against Luton Town. Uh, I'll start off with a couple of comments we got on Twitter about the match. This one is from Tom Ashdown, at Tom Ashdown 15 He said, given the current situation with Roman and Sunday's huge effort, today was a good win with a lot of squad players out of position. I thought RLC was excellent. Werner looked very uncomfortable, but effective as he often does. Weird. He, he said that, by the way, not me. Uh, James back is key. Come on, Chelsea. And another one from Ronnie Ashworth. So we got Tom Ashdown and Ronnie Ashworth, the two Ashes, uh, at CFC Ronnie. He said, another boring, non-eventful day for Chelsea Football Club. End of an era with Roman statement. Best owner in world football. Strange game with some odd performances. Even though he scored and assisted, I think we might have lost patience with Werner. And Sar. <laughs> that, that was a phone sentence. These guys are speaking facts, man. Yeah. I mean, That's I it. Think, That's the end of the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't add anything to it. That was but, basically the recap. Um... You could throw Lukaku's name in there, too. It was the best <laughs> worst game I've ever seen in my life. But... The I had such a tough time figuring out what the hell the selection was. So we did start off with a four-three-three, but we conceded within two minutes. What was yep. it two two <laughs> minutes of a corner, and quickly Tuchel changed it to a three-four-three. So we had Keppa in goal, a back three of Rudiger, Malong Sar. And RLC at the center of the back three. Something I never, ever, ever imagined. Then we had Cho, uh, Jorginho, uh, Saul, and a shocking, shocking start from Kennedy. I mean, absolutely shocking. I think I made a joke about starting him a couple episodes ago, and we all had a good laugh. <laughs> and it ended up happening. So that's that's how shocking it was. And a front three of Mason Mount, Lukaku, and Timo Werner. We'll start off with Malongsar. I mean, just every time he plays, every time he plays, I always say, I hope this is the last time we see Malongsar at center back. And yet again, we see it happen. Uh, you know, with, with Christensen going to Barca, that's all but confirmed. We, our center back depth is, is maybe in question if we're forced to play Malang Sar. We have aging center back. We don't know what's happening with Rudiger. Um, we did get it. We did get a Twitter question regarding this from all American CFC at Wilson for UFSA. He said, bittersweet win, hard fought. The performance felt like. After the Super League matches where everyone was against us. Should Tuchel reconsider Star on that left side? He was highly targeted. Almost slipped up in the end. Um, and who would be a good fit besides Alonso to fill that position if needed? Um, Andres, I'll start with Aspie. you. Aspie. Aspie. You're yeah. going to have to play somebody in the back three that isn't used to it or, or has to be shifted. It, it's got to be Aspie. I do not trust, trust Alonso. Uh to, to be positionally aware or 
or positionally conservative enough to be part of a back three. We need him. If Alonso is going to succeed, he has to be able to to get into the opponent's box, and that's about it. He he doesn't usually make the right decision on passes. He rarely is calm when pressed at the back. So to me, don't even consider Alonso at center back. If anything, I'd rather have RLC get deployed back there again, to be completely honest with you. But yeah, this was definitely, definitely the worst performance at center back for Malang Sar uh, by far. He made those Luton forwards look really, really good. He almost gave him the match, too. He tried. Yeah, he tried yeah. his best. Yeah. And I mean, he was I don't responsible really have for both goals, probably. I would say. Uh, I mean, it was just shit defending all the way around. I, I think it was the second goal where he got played through and Sar tried to step up and play him off sides and just reacted so late. Yeah. Elementary defending. That's the thing with Malong Sar. I feel like he doesn't necessarily have his feet set on the ground in terms of you know, being comfortable in the system, being comfortable with the personnel around him because he doesn't play enough. And He's every a joystick time, defender. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But but at the same time, I mean, in his defense, he is playing with a fucking different team every single time he plays, which is once every seven or eight matches. But I, I think the bottom line is he's just not good enough. And this is one of those players that I was alluding to earlier in terms of like, if a new owner comes in, who's going to be on their way out? I don't see any future for Malongsar. If you gave Tuchel the keys to the team, I think Malongsar is one of those names where Tuchel goes, yeah, we're going to keep him if we can't get at least two more center backs in. But if I could get two center backs in, he's gone. There's no reason to keep him at the club. You, you can only play that guy when he's next to Thiago Silva and Rudiger. I mean, he needs to be controlled. He needs to be told where to go. If, if he has a, a, a loose leash, it's 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 curtains. Like what He if, is not that great. What if he has Aspi or Reese James playing on the left wing? I, I, I would feel more comfortable with him there. Or him, at, yeah. or him playing as a left back. At left back, it's different, right? As a left back, cover. Yeah, he's got cover. We're not asking him to do anything crazy, and and I will shoot myself metaphorically. I don't don't. ever condemn suicide. If we start playing our best right wing back in the wrong position, I am so tired of like. Can we? Do we really want to preach position changes? Yeah. No, Reese James is back. I am not playing Reese James on the left for crying out loud. Yeah. Um. So. The next part we want to talk about the odd substitutions that Tuchel made. Uh, it looked like Werner, Lukaku, and Jorginho were prime for subs, uh, but he opted to take out Kennedy and Cho and put in Harvey Vale and Christian Pulisic. Later, he he, he took off Jorginho and put in Reese James around the 76 minute, uh, but. It was a very, very weird substitution, and I still am not entirely sure what our formation was at the time. I just know that Pulisic was on the right, and I know that Mason Mount was on the left, and neither of them looked good from their respective sides. Mason Mount was playing some awful crosses. I mean, two of the worst crosses I've ever seen a Chelsea player almost make. kicked one out of the uh, out of their tiny little stadium. There, it too. went on yeah. the it went on the roof. <laughs> it, it reminded me of being in elementary school when you kick the ball on the roof and everybody just kind of waits anxiously for a few seconds to see if it falls back down. You're, for when you're playing kickball or you're playing soccer, 
It's uh, well, if I was kickball, the kickball, that's glory <laughs> if you do that. Soccer, it's like, God yeah. damn it, this guy again. Um, but we did get a Twitter question. This one's from Ron. Uh, another one. You said, was Pulisic coming in the catalyst for the turnaround? Zach, did he? Was he the difference maker? Not really. I didn't see <laughs> like I didn't. This question has some red, white, and blue tinted glasses to it, doesn't it? But, Does correlation you know, I, necessarily mean causation? I do want to talk about how when Ooh, Pulisic like came on, the only thing I'm thinking is, please, Lord, do not come in at wing back, and he comes in at wing back. Hey, he he showed some flashes of like good dribbling and agility, but I don't think he was the reason. I mean, we switched to a three-five-two for sure well, when the, when the subs happened, and and I just think honestly the the big turnaround came with RLC in midfield because I remember mm-hmm. these subs happened, and in our Discord, the first thing I said was, "I don't think we're coming back in this game." I said that. 100% will stand by that fact that I did not expect us to score two goals in those remaining, what, 20, 20, not, not 20, 14 minutes, whatever is it was left at that yeah. point. I did not expect it at all. I, I thought it was game over. I think Pulisic tried, but didn't do anything. And I don't think Mount was very efficient at the left side. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my frustration was more with Timo, and I'm like, okay, if you give Christian Pulisic that many 1v1s against a side like Luton, how many times is he going to put the defender on his ass and pick out a pass or take a shot, a pop at goal? And it took Timo damn near 80 minutes to do that. So that was my frustration. I thought Timo should have come off and Pulisic should have come on. And it's crazy with Timo, uh, or all, honestly, all three of our goal scorers were probably three – of the least likely for me to expect to score this match. <laughs> we had Saul, Timo Werner, and then Lukaku with the winner. Saul scoring his first ever goal for the club, which is probably, you know, a good feeling for him. A great goal also. Uh, and with Timo's goal, that was the first good first touch that he had all match. The dude... I just don't understand. He receives the ball and it just bounces off his foot like 15, like 10 yards away from him. He doesn't know how to dribble out a defender. He, It really is frustrating and ended up with one, arguably two assists and a goal. Like, how does that, how do you, how, how do you rationally shit on the guy with those kind of numbers? Um, but somehow <laughs> Timo Werner continues to defy you know, the expectations defy the rules of, of football. Very Marcos Alonso of him. Oh, yeah. Um, another question from Ron. How about that kid, Vale? Really did a good job once he came in. Zach, I know you're a huge fan. I am. Um, I didn't know he was going to play center mid, but um, <laughs> I, I didn't think that he hurt himself at all. I don't think he hurt his stock whatsoever. The kid's talented, man. He just has a knack of receiving the ball, knowing where the defender is, and knowing how to keep his body between the defender and the ball. It's sort of the same thing that we saw with RLC when he was first coming through. Like, that ability to use your frame to keep defenders off of you, to keep the ball under control. I mean, I didn't think he lit the world on fire, but I always like to see him get an appearance because I think I think there's just something about him. I mean, you saw the Ziyech light goal he scored two weeks ago. I don't know if we mentioned it, but the kid just has that ability. 
Andreas, anything to add to that? He didn't lose the ball a bunch of times, which <laughs> I felt Jorginho had done when he was in midfield in this match. So, again, the subs came in, and while I don't know that the players themselves were the change, I think that they honestly just brought a little bit more calm to the match. I think the one the players in the pitch that got replaced just – I mean, Cho had like zeros across the board statistically today. And on on the other side, I mean, I – I really didn't understand the Kennedy sub, but again, the guys that finished the pitch, finished the match on the pitch, all played their part in, in the equalizer and, and the comeback goal. And uh, speaking of Kennedy, we got another question from Ron. He said, curious to see what your guys' thoughts of Kennedy's performance. I thought he was decent and was moving the ball forward. So our joke uh, of a selection that actually came true didn't actually look half bad huh Zach no I, I I thought he did him I thought he did himself some justice um I don't think he's lit the world on fire like Harvey like same thing with Harvey Vale he didn't really stand out but again he didn't really make a mistake I did get Norwich vibes with that shot though um <laughs> where he nicked the ball cannon of a left foot I mean, his left foot is so fucking crazy. What is it with lefties? I mean, I feel like every single left-footed player either has a rocket or a wand as a left foot. It's one or the other. <laughs> I don't know any, like, neutral left-footed players that are just sort of, like, boring to watch. Yeah, you got the Podolskis, and Kennedy falls into that where they've got a freaking hammer, and then you yeah. have the the Messi, the Robin, the Ziyech that the just curl that Kai ball. Havertz? What is he? Oh, he's silky. <laughs> I think, so. I, think, yeah, I think he falls under the wand as well. He places the ball more so than power. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, well, Andres, I want you to quickly talk about uh, what you said earlier about having Jorginho and Glukaku on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, I think it's – what is it? Oil and water? What's it saying? Help me out here, guys. I, you I'm can't pour water on, hot, on a hot oil. Yeah, the, the two don't mix. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's, I don't think that's saying, saying, right? Something that like is that. scientifically true, no, though. Something... <laughs> <laughs> you can't mix water and oil. <laughs> Zach, it's supposed to be that oil and water don't mix. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Close. And I think, I think uh, that Jorginho and Lukaku just <laughs> don't work together. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Lukaku scores when Jorginho is off the pitch. Again, Jorginho slows the, the game down. He never is the guy to look for a direct pass forward. I would love to see how many times Jorginho actually passes it to Lukaku directly in a match. Any Red Bull Dres or listeners that can dig up that stat, that would be great. Like great. I just think um, Jorginho works better with a fluid front three that's looking to possess and, and, and is more patient with it. The moment he came out and you had someone like Loftus-Cheek that was driving the ball forward, and and looking for, for the forward pass and getting those early passes in behind, I mean, Lukaku ended up scoring. And I just think that, again, we, we keep asking, and I know Prashant, he's listening, and he's like, yes, please tell me how Lukaku can be better. And, yes. and honestly, I think the two just should not be played together. If Jorginho starts, give me Kai Havertz. If it's Kovacic and Kante, give Lukaku a run because they'll actually try to look for him and get him involved early. 
All right, that I think that wraps up our recap of this match. It should not have been this stressful, but somehow we advance. Uh, when when's the draw for the next round? Did it it hasn't happened yet, huh? No, there's tomorrow. another match tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, uh, and it's the quarterfinals. Um, so mm-hmm. who I'm looking. I think this quick. is the seventh seventh time in the last eight years that we made the FA Cup quarters. Sounds right. I think uh, tomorrow Everton plays a plays a team called on like Burnham Wood. Bo- it sounds Bor- like Borum freaking Macbeth. Borum Wood, and then Nottingham Borum Forest Wood. and Huddersfield. So who's left? It's it's uh, Nottingham Forest, Southampton. Oh yeah, okay. I'm looking at the last match day. Not Arsenal. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because they or got Spurs. knocked out by them. <laughs> or, or United. <laughs> so City. Liverpool, Crystal Palace, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, by the way, knocked out Tottenham and knocked out United. Dominated. Dominated. So hopefully yeah. hopefully we don't draw them. They're they're um, they're having the miracle run this year. They're the team. Chris Wilder, dude. It's he's back. He's vengeance. The overlapping center backs, baby. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so City, Palace, Middlesbrough, us, Southampton, Liverpool. And then the winners of the two matches tomorrow. Uh, those are the will be the eight or I think eight teams left. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Broja for a fantastic goal. Oh, and earning awesome. a penalty as well. Fucking baller. All right, now it's time to move on to our preview against Burnley um, at Turf Moor. Uh, right now, Burnley is sitting in the relegation zone uh, at, at 18th with uh, 21 points in the season, over 25 matches. Uh, the last two matches were uh, a, uh, a loss to Leicester, and uh, they drew Palace before that as well. Um, or no, that was the most recent game they drew Palace. Uh, but Chelsea has won their last four matches at Turf Moor. Uh, Burnley, you know, they're not, a, you know, their attacking prowess is not really anything to be uh, afraid of. <laughs> but they did just add Wout Weghorst, um, one of the most annoying players in FIFA Ultimate Team because you always pack him. Um, <laughs> but it's trash. And, yeah. And, you know, the other notable, notable names uh, are more on the defensive side. James Tarkowski, Ben Mee. Um, Cornet. Yeah, Luke Cornet, whatever Cornet. Uh, does Jay Rodriguez still play? Yeah. Here and there, though, right? Like, he's not a starter, per yeah, se. Like it was he, Wood. Right. He's it, gone. He's well, at yeah, Newcastle. Right. Now. I was just saying, it was him. He was the goal scorer. And now it's Valt Vegorst. So, Zach. Valt. Valt Vegors, do you have any predictions? Yeah, um, I think it's always going to be tough playing against them. We know they're going to put, you know, two banks of four, and one of their strikers is going to drop off. And Nick Pope, they're, we can't we can't forget about Nick Pope. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they have a, they have a very very good goalkeeper. Um, interesting to see what will happen to him if they do get relegated. But again, this is a team that could pull a result out. Let's not forget. Last week, they beat Spurs. Just before that, in the same week, they beat Brighton 3-0. And Brighton, I mean, 
Brighton was a quality side. I think we all said that, you know, in our in our uh, review. Um, and they also drew United. Um, and that was all this month. So this is a team that could pull out a performance if they need to. And we drew them earlier this season. Exactly. We, we shouldn't take them lightly. I have bad memories in my head of Burnley, personally, as a Chelsea fan. I just don't have very many fond memories I can think of besides Pulisic scoring a hat-trick against them. That's what but I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could think of Gary Cahill. I can think of all those boring matches where it was nil-nil for damn near 90 minutes before he found a breakthrough, so on and so forth. So I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. It'll be boring, but we'll win. Oh, see, I'm going opposite. I'm giving you a list of if you want to play what what's that called when you gamble multiple things to get a lot of money? A parlay. A parlay. So here's my parlay of predictions: seventy percent possession, going a Kai Havertz brace in either goals or assists, and Pulisic as the first goal scorer. Interesting. I wonder what it's the time payout. For a beat down. I wonder what the payout is for that. What's the final He's... score? Three 0 two 0 I didn't. I don't know what score. That's not part of my parlay. That's somebody else. <laughs> You're Andres, asking too is, much. Is is like DraftKings? Like, is that kind of the gambling legal in Texas? Probably. DraftKings. Yeah, we have DraftKings. Like now, it's but federally legal no, now. No, it's not. It's just. It, it's just not federally illegal, but it depends state by state. Like in California, I don't not I not I know DraftKings exists, but like DraftKings books like betting. Oh uh, no! You like you got you got legal like online gambling is not legal for you guys, huh? No, I'm not saying I know people with bookies, but I'm also not yeah, saying no, I don't know offshore. people with bookies. No, because it's so because it's so annoying because. I see all these screenshots on Instagram people post of like these crazy like five, Prop six bets. team parlays where it's like X player to score over, you know, certain amount of points, X player to get a certain amount of rebounds. Like, I wish we could, I wish you could just make your parlay you just said right now. That would be a cool part of the show. Like if every week yeah. we thought of a parlay, we made the bet, but. <laughs> hey, was... our English, our English listeners and our, you know, European oh, listeners sure. can get in on it. There's plenty of betting sites for them, but those those are my three like say it again. predictions. It's a seventy percent possession, either a brace of assists or goals for Kai Havertz, and Pulisic as the first goal scorer. So it, it, you're saying Kai Havertz total goals plus assists over one and a half. That's that's what you're yeah. saying. Yep, over one and a half. Pulisic first goal scorer. Possession over sixty nine point five. All right, if anybody want to wants to make uh about well, 69.5 nice if anybody wants to make some money <laughs> call up your local bookie put that parlay in right or now. hit up on to find but out you who can, your local bookie is <laughs> you can bet the 10 percent cut for you know for consulting fees yeah yeah we do we always accept donations no matter what for any not reason. gonna lie though i did do that recently a buddy of mine was we we're talking about the man united and atletico game and I joked that there's no way that the goal line for that match would be uh, over 1.5. They actually said 2.5, and I told them to bet the under, and we made some good money. Congrats on that, my friend. Yeah, well, I think that kind of wraps it up, boys. Solid. Yeah, I didn't pod. give my, I didn't give my prediction. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. yeah, yeah. Give your, yeah. No. How rude. Two this zero. might be the last prediction ever given on the Romans Empire Pod or the <laughs> future podcast formerly known as the Romans Empire Pod. <laughs> 2-0. I'm just going with Andreas's. Perfect. 
All right, good. I mean, that that's more positive than mine. I, I only said he'd score one, so it's a, we are overdue for the beating of Burnley. You you butcher one match and you kill the other. Yeah, I hope so. Anyways, um, that does wrap it up for this week. So if you're still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. We do try to drop episodes after every single match, uh, usually a weekend pod or a Monday, uh, you know, Monday pod and then a um, midweek pod. So keep your eye on that. Also keep your eye on this space if you want to continue getting updates on the Roman situation. We'll keep updating you guys as we find out information. So, you know, don't hesitate to use us as your resource. Um, and until next week. Keep the blue flag flying high.